The Eddie B. Sit edition, an audio series of the Talmud Bavli. Masechet Sukkah has been dedicated by Celia and Isaac Jamal. Hashem Alehem Yehu Amen for the Hatzlecha of their dear children. May they see much nachat from all of them. May they all grow up and get married in the right time and have children healthily, happily with berachah vatzlacha. And may they see uh, descendants and descendants of their descendants. Ad bi'ad go'el sedek. Amen. The Masechet has also been dedicated Le'ilu Nishmat Sarah Bat Adel Ruach Hashem Tanihena Began Eden Amen Again by Celia and Isaac Jamal To school the Mitzvot Today's daf has been dedicated by Mr. Isaac Shehbad In honor of his parents Jack and Marilyn Hashem Alehem Yifyu Amen Daf Lamid Chet Today's daf is being studied Lamid Lamed Het, correct. Today's daf is being studied. Le'ilun Ishmat, Avraham ben Esther. Ruwa Hashem tenichenu began Eden. Amen. Today's daf is being studied. Le'ilun Ishmat, Amiruhemet, Anefteret bekitzur yamim v'shanim. Mazal bat Frida. Ruwa Hashem tenichenu began Eden. Amen. Today's daf is being studied. Refua Shlema. Hakam Obadia Yosef Ben Gurgia, El Narefanalo, El Narefanalo, El Narefanalo, Betoshar Hodamo Israel, Amen. We begin today's daf on Lamedzai and Amucheni, two lines from the bottom. In our last sugya, we discussed the concept of the Tenufot, the waving that was done on the holiday of Shavuot in the Bet Amikdash. With the kibseh the lambs that were brought, and the shteilechem, those were the two loaves of bread. So we discussed how the uh, Kohanim would place the shteilechem on the live animals, and then would wave them uh, to and fro, and lemala uh, lemata, up and down. And we said that that was a uh, the reason why we did that was is to show that Borei Olam is in control of all the directions of the world and the heavens and the earth. Another reason we gave was in order to stop the bad winds that might come to the world that year, in order to stop any bad telalim, any bad dues that might come to the world. So that actually, the Gemara yesterday was referring to the Korbanot. That's why the Korbanot on Shavuot were waved. The Gemara is going to say in today's daf that the same logic applies to Lulav. But yesterday's daf was just referring to the uh, animals, the Korbanot. So now the Gemara says, Amar bar Abin bar Zvila, Zot omeret, we can learn from here, Shiyerem mitzvah me'akevin et apur'anut. Something that's called Shiyerem mitzvah. Uh, literally, shirim mitzvah means a residual of a mitzvah, which means part of the mitzvah that's not integral. For example, tenufa is not integral for the korban to be accepted and for kapara. The kapara really is gotten by the sprinkling of the blood. Tenufa is a mitzvah, but not integral. So we would call tenufa the waving of the animal. A shiirim mitzvah, a residual part of the mitzvah. And still, even though it's a non-essential for kapara part of the mitzvah, still it has the ability to prevent punishment from occurring. Which means it could stop the dues, the bad dues, and it could stop the bad winds. And the Gemara explains, Shehare tenufah, regarding the waving of the Qurban Shiyere Mitzvahi, it's only a residual part of the Mitzvah, Ve'otzla ruchot utlalim ra'im. It's not the ability to stop the bad winds and the bad dues. So that she says, Shiyere Mitzvah, Mitzvah Shishirayim. It's a Mitzvah that's residual. She'en ikar la'akev kapara. It does not... Me'akev uh, does not hold back the kapara. Afal pichin hashuvai la'akev etapuranut. Still, even a shiyere mitzvah has the ability to stop any 
punishment from coming. The Pasuk says that the Tenufa will be the Kaper. So the Gemara says, Vechi Tenufa Mechaperet, Valo En Kapara El Abedam. Elash Im Asa'al Letnufa Shiyere Mitzvah. If you did the Tenufa, you treated it as a residual part of the Mitzvah, Shishira, meaning you left it over, you didn't do it. Velo Asa'a, Ma'aleh Ala Vekatuv, Ki Ilu, Lo Asa'a Mena Muvhar. So you don't get credit for doing the Mitzvah in the choicest manner. However, Vechiper. You still get kapara kilomar afal pichen kiper she'en sarich lavi korban acher. You don't have to bring a another korban. So when the pasuk says litnufa lechaper, it means even though you didn't do the tenufa, still lechaper, still the kapara is gotten anyway by the zirikat adam. So comes the gemara and says ve'amar rava ve'chen belulav, which means. That which we talked about till now is the tinufa by the Qurban of Shavuot. So Ravah comes along and says the same applies to the Lulav that as she says, Molichu mevi umurid, that you wave it to and fro and up and down. And according to the opinions of the you know, Tosafot, we do it three times each waving in all the four directions. So comes the Gemara and tells a story. Ravaha bari Yaakov mamtele umaitile. Ravaha bari Yaakov, he used to be molich, right? He used to extend the lulav in front of him, mamtele umaitile, and bring it towards him, right? Molich umevi, he used to the lulav. Amar, and he used to say, den gira be'ene disetna. Now let this be a uh, a hetz, like an arrow in the eyes of the Satan. And as she says, Shiro'e be'enav she'en bo kowach lenatek ma'alinu ola mitzvot. He sees with his own eyes that he doesn't have the ability to detach us from the acceptance of the mitzvot. Which is when he used to take the lulav on Sukkot, he used to use it as a weapon against the Satan. That even though he's trying to stop us from doing the mitzvot, he sees unsuccessful, we're doing it anyway. So he would tell the Satan, Den gira This is a, 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 an arrow or a spear in the eyes of the Satan. So the uh, Gemara says, Velav miltai. But this is not proper. She says, En nachon no marken. Meshum le'igruyebe. You're going to cause the Yetzirah to become uh, provoked. And now he's going to, so you're starting up with the Yetzirah. You don't want to instigate him. So that she says, She yitkarebo satan shu Yetzirah v'yasienu lit'ot me'al kono. Yetzirah is going to cause you to, to, to sway from your creator. The Yimsur Atzmol Adalah is going to be committed to such a thing because you're starting with him. So the Gemara is saying it's not a proper thing to do. And the Gaon Maharsha points out that it's not proper to say it. However, to think it, to have that kavana when you're shaking the lulav, that's 100% fine. The, the lulav serves as a weapon where we beat the satan with uh, in order to limit his kawah on us. However, to say those words, that would cause uh, a provocation with the uh, satan. Okay, comes the next Mishnah. Mi sheba baderech. Person was on the road, came from the road. Okay, he didn't have a lulav when he was on the road. So now he comes home. When he enters his house, he should take it even on his table. What does that mean? Rashi. If let's say he sat down to eat and he forgot to take the lulav still, Sarih lav sik lulav. You have to interrupt your meal. In the middle of the sauda, you gotta stop, take the lulav, and then you continue the meal. Now, Lonatal Shahrit, if you didn't take the lulav in Shahrit, you told Ben Arbaim, you take it in the afternoon. Shekola Yom Kashir Lulav. Because all the day is kashir for the mitzvah of Lulav. So, we learn a couple of things from this Mishnah. Number one, 
Like we just said, that the whole day is kashir for lulav. Number two, that a person must interrupt his meal in order to shake the lulav as well. <coughs> so comes the Gemara. Amart, you told me, notlo al shulhano. You said in the Mishnah that you have to interrupt your table, meaning your meal, to shake the lulav. Lememra de masik. So you teach me what? So you have to stop. Urminu, stop interrupt your meal. Urminu, we have a contradiction. Imitchilu en matzikin. We learned the Masechet Berakot by Tefilat Menha. Actually, Masechet Shabbat. Rashi says, Lo yeshev adam lefnei asapar. Now we learned in Shabbat that a person should not sit in front of the barber. Velo yikanes, velo leechol. A person should not enter to eat. Velo ladun or to court. Before he prays Minha. Vimitchilu kodem ha-minha. If you start, let's say, before Minha. Umashcha su'udatan. And your su'uda continued. Vigiyah azmana minha. En mafsikin. En sidikin lafsik su'udatan al-palel. So the Gibraltar is asking a question. Why when it comes to minha, you don't have to start, you don't have to stop your meal. However, when it comes to lulav, you have to interrupt. So comes the Gibraltar and says, Amar of safra lakasha. No question from Minha to Lulav. Depends. By Minha, it's talking about Ikashahut Bayom. You have more time to the end of the day. Which means at the end of the meal, you still have a lot of time to pray Minha. That's why we're not going to interrupt you. But the case of Lulav, there's no time. So therefore, he has to interrupt his meal in order to catch the time. Now she says, Correct. Over here, Suda's going to last till it gets dark. He's not going to have time to shake the last level. We make him interrupt it. So Rava comes along and says, hold it. My kushia. We don't even understand your question from the onset from Minha. Dilma had the Uraita had Rabbanan. Which means, what are you asking a question from Tefillah to Lulav? Rashi says, Umay Kushia did Tefillah al Lulav. Did Tarikh Rav Safra the Shenui Ala. Did Rav Safra to come and answer. Dilma Tarvayu Bidika Shahut. Maybe both Rabbis talk about we have sufficient time to finish your meal and then do the Mitzvah. Tekabedulav Mavsikim. But the reason why by Lulav you have to be Mavsik, Timidoraitai. Because it's not our law. Check Lulav. But Tefillah Rabbanan. But praying, the obligation to pray is only with Rabbanan. So therefore, what's the, what's the question at all? So the Gemara says, If you want to ask a question, ask the following question. That she says, If you, if you want to make a question on the Mishnah and use the Safra's answer, he gufa kasha delulav alulav. Ask a question that the Mishnah's implications are contradictory, which means don't get minha involved. Ask a question from lulav to itself. diktani. Right, the beginning of the Mishnah said mafsik. If you're in the middle of the meal, you have to interrupt the meal. Vesefa mashma yamtini mirse. You don't have to interrupt the meal. You could wait. Which means the beginning of the Mishnah said, you started your meal, stop the meal, and go shake the lulav. The end of the Mishnah says, if you didn't shake in shaharit, it's okay, don't worry about it. You have all day to shake it. that You don't have to interrupt. So the Mishnah itself is contradictory. The Gebarah says, if you want to ask a question, ask the following question. When he enters his house, the Mishnah said, not lo al Right? He takes the lulav on his table and he interrupts his meal. Alma de mafsik. Implying that what he has to interrupt his meal. Then it says what? Lona tal shaharit yitobin arbaim. Hey, you didn't take it in shaharit. No problem. You have the whole afternoon. Alma lo mafsik. Implying you don't have to stop. So therefore, how do you answer that? Amar of Safra, Lakasha. At that, Rav Safra came along and said, Hadi ikashahud bayom. Hadi lakashahud bayom. Which means, if you have time, to the end of the day, so you don't have to interrupt your meal. You have to last uh, till the end of the day. However, if there's no time left, 
So then already after interrupting me, that's what Rav Safra was coming to answer. The stira in the Mishnah. Ahmad Abzera, Rav Zera doesn't like this. My kushya. Oh, what kind of question is that, Rava? Dilma misva leafsuke veilo pasik yitol ben arbaim shekol yom kasher lulav. Who told you to learn the Mishnah like that to make a difference between the case of hadi kashaut hadi kashaut? Maybe I'll tell you that the Mishnah is telling you two laws. The first law is Mishim Abaderech and he didn't check the lulav, and now he's sitting down at the table and he started the seuda mitzvah lefsik. You have a mitzvah to, to stop the meal and shake. And then the Mishnah is saying, and if you didn't stop, hey, you did wrong. You didn't stop the meal. Okay, so then you can shake it to the end of the day. Shekol ayom kasher lulav, which means. Uh, why you're learning uh, Rav Safra is that is trying to answer a stira in the Mishnah why is it a stira at all maybe the Mishnah is just telling you two laws that the Chitaylai is supposed to stop and if you didn't stop then you, you continue because you have uh, you can still shake the lot because you have the whole day really the question is like we said originally from Minha. The question is why by Minha you don't have to be Mavsik and why by Lulav you do have to. I asked the question. He said, what do you mean? The, the simple answer. Tifilah is Drabbanan, that's why you don't have to be Mavsik and Lulav is Dorayta. That was the question you asked. We're talking about a Yom Tov Sheni. And therefore Lulav on the second day is also Drabbanan. And therefore we're asking why by Minha? which is Drabbanan, you don't have to be Mavsik. And why by Lulav, which is also Drabbanan the second day, you do have to be Mavsik. So the question is, from two rabbinical laws, why one case you have to be Mavsik, the Surah, and one not? And the Gemara concludes, I'll prove you from our language of the Mishnah that we must be talking about uh, the second day. Medeketani, Misheba Baderech, Be'en Be'yado Lulav. A guy's coming from the road and he doesn't have a lulav. The east al kadak b'yom tov rishon mishare. Is it permissible to come from the road on yom tov? Implying when it says mishabab aderik, he came from far away, meaning outside the tomb. And therefore, we know that a person is allowed to travel outside the tomb on yom tov. So the fact that this is mishabab aderik says like he was outside the borders. So therefore, must be was not referring to yom tov rishon. Must be yom tov sheni. And now we understand the question: Why by minha, which is drabanan, you don't have to be mafsika? By lulab, which was also drabanan the second day, you do have to be mafsika. To that, Nafsafra's answer was because hadi kashaut hadi kashaut. You're right. There's no difference between the two cases. There's one talking about we have more time. And once so that we have no more time, therefore, you would have to be Matsik. Okay, the Mishnah continues. Mi she'aya Eved. Person is Eved Kena'ani. O Isha, a lady. O Katan, or a minor. Makrin Oto. We let them read the Halal out loud. And the person listening to them must answer after them what they are saying. You're talking about a guy over here that doesn't know how to read. He's got to say the Halil on Sukkot. So what does he do? He gets somebody that's not obligated in the Halil. For example, in Isha. A lady's not obligated in the Halil because it's a mitzvah ta'aseh shazeman gerama. It's a positive commandment that's bound by time. Or he gets an Eved Kena'ani, that's also as the deen of a lady, also patur from the Halil. Or a Katan, certainly a minor, is not obligated to recite the Halil. So what does he do? He gets them to recite the Halil for him. Now obviously, since they're not obligated, they cannot be mutsi him in his obligation. So the Mishnah says, fine, let them just recite the words, Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Avdeh Hashem, etc. And they will repeat the words after them. Which means the adult that needs to be Yotzeh, he will repeat the words. So basically, since you're talking about an illiterate guy, he doesn't have to read, so therefore he needs these uh, people, or he uses these people to uh, read the words for him, so he can repeat the words himself and fulfill his obligation. Rashi says, Makrin oto, kachayun noagim. 
In the olden days, that was a common practice where one would read the Halil out loud. Alright, and then everybody would listen using the principle of Shomeya Kaune, that the one that listens is as if he's saying it. But if the reader was an Eved or a Isha or a Katano Ilve in Mechuyab Davas, it's an obligated in Motsita Mechuyab Mide Hovato. So he answers everything he says. But the Mishnah says, But such a fellow that does such a system should be cursed. Why, as she says, Because you're illiterate. You didn't learn how to read. You have to come on to a Eved or a uh, Katan or an Ishat to read that Lail for you. You should be cursed because you're delinquent. You didn't fulfill the obligation of learning how to read. And then that she says, lamad. And even if you are uh, fluent, you did learn. She says, you're, you're embarrassing your creator by using such inferior messengers to help you fulfill the mitzvah. So Koytar, as she comes out, the mi'ira, the curse goes on everybody. Whether a guy knows how to read or doesn't know how to read, if a guy doesn't know how to read, he's cursed because you don't know how to read. If he knows how to read, you're using these inferior messages, you're still going to get a curse. That's the shita of uh, Rashi. Look at the Tosfot for a second. V'tehilo mi'ira, Tosfot basically is arguing on Nashi and saying, no, if a guy knows how to read and he's just using these inferior people and he's repeating after them, there's no merit on that guy. The only curse comes to somebody who actually does not know how to read. So therefore he's arguing on Shittat Rashi exactly who gets the uh, gets the curse. Yes, that's the Shita of the Tosfot. In any event, the Mishnah continues. Comes the Mishnah and says, Imayagadol. If let's say the one that's going to read the Alil is a Gadol, he's an adult, Makleoto. So he can read it out loud, and all the listener has to do is listen. He doesn't have to say anything. However, the custom was, He would answer, Hallelujah. So now we're going to learn the system in the olden days, how they used to say the Hallel. Now she's going to give us the, the system. Which is on every pasuk that was said, the listener would say hallelujah. For example, the uh, reader would start of hallelujah, uh, hallelujah, avde Hashem. And the listeners would say hallelujah. And then they would continue uh, reading the next pasuk. And they would say hallelujah. Jeez, every pasuk of the, let's say, first paragraph of the halal, they would just answer the word hallelujah. So that she gives us an example from Masikat Sota. How did the Jewish people sing the Az Yashir when they came out of uh, Yamsuf in Misraim? So the Gibra says, like the Gadol that reads the Halil, that's what I said, the Az Yashir. Moshe Amar Ashira Lashem, Vemomrim Ashira Lashem. Moshe Amar Kigaoga, Vemomrim Ashira Lashem. Which means every Pasuk that Moshe Rabbeinu said, the Jews would respond in a choir and say, Ashira Lashem. And then he would say, uh, the next Pasuk. Uh, every pasuk that Moshe Rabbeinu said, they responded by On every pasuk that was said in the Halil, so the people would answer Hallelujah. That's the way they did it in the olden days. So now the Mishnah continues. 
some uh, places had the custom to recite the Pesukim of the Halel twice. They were kofel. They would double up uh, the Pesukim. They would double up the verses. Now, why would they do such a thing? So that she tells us why. Lichvon, kol pasuk ve pasuk. Venaguken, mepeneshi yesh parasha, shikula kefula. Because if you look at one of the chapters of the Halel, specifically the Mina Metzar, a lot of it is repetitious. For example, as she says, Hodu Tehila Vasof. You have in the Hodu uh, Lashem Kitov. Okay? So that's uh, repeated uh, a few times. That's repeated in Yomana uh, Yisrael, and then you have Yumruna Betaharon, Yumruna Yirashem, and each one is followed by a Kile Olam Hasdom. So you have, first of all, you have the Hodu Lashem Kitov Kilam Hasdom. It's repeated in the beginning of the Halil, repeated at the end of the Halil. And then you have the Yomarna and Yomruna, which is also uh, repetitious. Yomarna, Yomruna, right? That's also uh, uh, doubled. Continue Rashi. I'm reading Hodubes. Uh, Yomarna, Shilosha Pahamim, okay? We do the three Hodus uh, after that. Minam is a Karati Ya, Anani Bamirhavya. So that's ya ya, right? You have kar. I mean, I'm saying karati ya, anani bamirhav ya. So therefore, the yudke that's also double language. Hashem li, Hashem li, right? Hashem li lo ira ma yaseh li adam. Hashem li beozerai. So you have Hashem li. Hashem it's also doubled. Tov lachasot. Hashem li. You have tov lachasot again, twice. Sevavuni sabuni, right? That's also doubled. Dachod dehitani vayili lishua. The key word lishua and kol rina vishua. So also those words that that pasuk is double. Yimin Hashem, Yimin Hashem. Okay. Also, lo amut velamavet lo netanani pitholi shaare ze ashar. So therefore, since a, la- a large part of the alel, the whole minah mitzvah basically is doubled. So some had the custom because of that to repeat every verse of the alel uh, uh, twice. Because to keep it uh, conformed. Aval, me'odecha ulmata, but from odecha ki anitani, that she says, eno, what about be the zayin there? It's eno kofel. Right, eno kaful. Da'in de'in de'in kaman, mo'sim de'chfol, me'odecha ulmata. Okay, which means is not doubled in the in the verses themselves, uh, but they would the uh, custom was to uh, uh, to double them as well. And the Gemara will say later on that they would uh, they would musif, they would add to do even odechaki. So again, some had the custom and the Mishnah saying to repeat the verses of the Alil twice uh, because since the last. Part of the Alil, the Minam Mitzar, was actually doubled, as we just proved many of the Pesukim are like repeats to each other the similar words, so they would do that as well. The end of the Mishnah says, Lifshot, Yifshot, listen, where the custom was to read it plain, meaning to repeat one each Pesuk once, so that, that's the custom. Levarech, Yivarech, where the custom was to make the Beracha Acharona on the Halil, which is like we say, Yalilucha. So Yivarech, which means if they have the custom to make the Beracha, so they make the Beracha. If they don't have the custom, they don't. Akol Kiminaga Medina. Everything is according to the local custom that they had. Okay, so now the Gemara comes and begins. Tanu Rabbanam. We have a Braita. Be'emet Amru. Now, whenever it says Be'emet, Rashi says, it's Halakha. Ve'en Cholek Bedavar. This is a universally accepted halakha. Be'emet amru. Ben mevarech le'aviv. Regarding birkatamazon, a son, actually a minor, can make the birkatamazon for his father. Ve'aved mevarech le'rabbo. And Ve'aved ke'na'ani can make the birkatamazon for his master. Ve'isha mevarechet le'ba'ala. And a lady can make the Birkat Mazon for her husband. Now, we're not talking about where the husband is going to repeat the words. No, the lady is actually making Birkat Mazon and the husband is just listening. Abal, Amru Hachamim. But Hachamim said, Tavo me'ira le'adam she'ishto u'banav me'varchim lo. person should be cursed 
that he has to rely on his wife or on his child to exempt him from the Birkat Amazon. Now the question is, how can it be that a son who's not obligated in Birkat Amazon, he only has a rabbinical obligation to say Birkat Amazon, how can he exempt a father that has a Deoraita obligation? We have a law that says that somebody can only be Motsi if he's only on equal, equal, equal level. And here he only has a, an obligation that a banan, Hagaribu Motsi, a Deoraita. So that she answers this question. We're talking about where the father either ate only a kezayit of bread or a kabetzah. That's only a rabbinical shiur. But the Oraita, you're not obligated to make, make Bikatamazon until you actually satiated. Therefore, you have two rabbinicals. You have the, the child is Midrabanan, and the father only ate a rabbinical shi'ur. So therefore, he can't be Motsihim. However, as she says, That's for sure. The reason why he's cursed is because why would he. Let them re- re- recite the Birkat Amazon. It must be because he didn't learn. He's illiterate. So therefore, since he's illiterate, he's going to be cursed because he has to come on to these uh, children and so on in order for him to uh, learn. Now again, uh, all we're showing you in this Gemara is, is that, again, you see the Tavo Me'ira. So too, like we said in the Mishnah, we have it also by the case of Birkat Amazon. Amar Ravah. Ravah comes along and says, Hilcheta gibbarata ika lemishmah meminhaga dehalela. We learn over here, halachot gedolot, great halachot, great laws, from the minhag that we have today, the way we recite the halil. Now, Rashi. From the way we make the Halil today in the synagogues, like the Gemara is going to explain, which means the custom in Rava's time was they only would answer Hallelujah twice. Not like the times of the Mishnah. The times of the Mishnah, every Pasuk, they would actually say, Hallelujah. But in Abbas time already, the literacy was uh, very common. Everybody would read. So they would all say the Hallel together. However, they would recite the recitation, uh, re- repetition. They would say, Hallelujah, twice. And then when they got to Odu, they would also repeat Odu. They continue reading Ad Anna, till Anna Hashem Oshiana. And they would repeat those two Pesukim, Aharav. It's not like the original way they used to do the Halil. The Mishnah, they used to say Hallelujah on every Pasuk. From the custom of today, we understand what the, um, the main parts of the Halil were. Because listen, originally, we know everybody's Hayab in Halil. But not everybody's expert to read the Halil. So, Tiknu Ihad Kore. So the original Tekana was one guy says the Halil, the Harim Shuvim Akol. Everybody listens. Ve'onim Miksat. And all they did is have to answer, you know, a few answers during the uh, listening. Ve'achshav Shakol Benekinisiyatiru Bekiim. But now, that everybody that comes to the Bet Knesset is Bekiim. Ve'korin Oto. Kulan. Everybody reads it in its entirety. Va'fapikin Onim Shtei Pamim Hallelujah. Vodu Hashem. Still they would answer Hallelujah twice. They would answer the Hodus, they would answer the Anna Hashem, Ushiana, Nasiana. Why? Which means, from the way we do it today, Rabbah is going to teach us laws that applied in the olden days. Because a lot of the things that we did today, really, 
Once everybody's baki in dalil, seemingly you don't have to repeat anything. You don't have to say hallelujah, you don't got to repeat or do, read it yourself. But from the fact that Chamim still said, even if you're an expert and everybody's reading it, you should still repeat certain pesukim. So from that we're able to learn what was the practice that they did years ago. Because the only reason why they kept this practice to repeat hallelujah and repeat the hudu is so we don't forget the original way that the Aliyah was recited. So now, the Gemara is going to explain to us exactly what were these laws that we could learn from the, uh, from the, uh, from the way that the Aliyah is uh, recited today. So comes the Gemara and says, Hu Omer Hallelujah. Yeah, we're talking about in Navas time now. They would say, they would start the Hallelujah uh, with the words Hallelujah. And the people would answer, Hallelujah. Which is from here, uh, we learn over here, that it's a mitzvah for the kahal to answer, Hallelujah. Which means, the, uh, the original takana was, that whether you knew how to read, or you didn't know how to read, they wanted you to re- repeat the words Hallelujah. Because again, the original Takana was, there was only a Mekareh. And everybody would listen, whether you were literate or not literate. And so now we're finding out that obviously, if even in Nava's time, they made you answer Hallelujah, right? So therefore that must be that in the original Takana also, they wanted you to at least answer Hallelujah. So that is a... Uh, that was the re- original uh, requirement. So that's the first thing. If, again, if they still made you say Hallelujah, everybody was a baki, must be that's integral. That means when the Nevi'im and the recitation of that Lil, they wanted you to recite the words Hallelujah. So they kept that uh, enactment even in his time. Look at that sheet. From the fact that in the beginning of the Halel, we recite the Halel, we don't read with him like we read the rest of the paragraphs. To Beginning of the opening up of the Alil, right? Even if the uh, guy's a Baki, even if he's uh, an expert, that was the original Takana. So they kept it even in Nava's time. Next halacha. Okay, the custom was they would continue the Halil. Hallelujah. Next. Hallelujah. And still the people would respond, Hallelujah again. Mikan, Shimaya Gadol, Makreoto. Again, for me, you see again, that if you had a gadol, reading the halil for somebody, hallelujah. he would have to answer, hallelujah. Which means, the second hallelujah that you're answering teaches us another law. Look at Lashi. Now, from the fact that you're saying halil a second time, you're saying the first hallelujah was, the hazam would say hallelujah, you would repeat hallelujah. So that you learn already, everybody's got to say one hallelujah in repetition, because that was the original minhag. Okay, now the hazam was continue. Hallelujah, Abdi Hashem. And the Rav says the custom was to get to say, hallelujah, to repeat again the word hallelujah. So now, what's the purpose of that? So that she says, And the rest of that we read with him, and we learn originally the original enactment. Whether a guy is baki or not, fluent or not, he's only relying on the the, the, the reader. Meaning, you don't have to answer more than the word hallelujah. Meaning, every pasuk that was read, all the listener has to do is say hallelujah. And we continue reading that word. So they wanted to remind everybody of the original Takana that not only uh, that there's an inyan to answer hallelujah, like that you learned from the beginning. The first enactment was what? To answer the word hallelujah. Good. The second enactment is on every pasuk. So you might have thought maybe only on the first word when he says hallelujah, you just repeat hallelujah. No. On every subsequent pasuk, it's enough for the listener just to say hallelujah. 
So how they teach that by by the next verse, Hallelujah, Abdul Hashem, having everybody say Hallelujah, you would remember. Wow, in the olden days, that's all you had to say. The word Hallelujah. Listen and just say after every pasuk those words. You would not forget the original enactment. So therefore, uh, that, that that's the way it was done in the olden days. Okay, so it seems according to the Ran, he takes out those last words of Rashila Mishano Baki, because really according to the original Takana, it seems that everybody would just listen and they would answer uh, to the uh, to the Makre. Okay, so we continue. The next halakha that we learned from the practice was Hu Omer Udul Hashem, right? In Rabbah's time, the Hazam would say Udul Hashem, and only Udul Hashem. So the Khan would repeat Udul Hashem. What are you learning from this? Mikan perakim. From here we see that it's a mitzvah to respond with the words of the beginning of the perik of the chapter. What does this uh, mean to say over here? So let's look at uh, Rashi. Who omer hodu? Then shotkin v'harkachonim. In the Rabbah's time, the Hazan would say hodu. They would keep quiet. And then answer Hodu. Mikan, Which means like this. The first chapter, which starts with Hallelujah. So every pasuk that's read, you follow it with the words, Hallelujah. The next chapter, for example, is Beset Yisrael So since the beginning of the chapter is Beset Yisrael so every pasuk you would answer with Beset Yisrael And the, the next uh, chapter, Hudul Hashem, every pasuk you'd answer with Hudul Hashem. Which means don't think that you'd answer Hallelujah throughout the entire Hallel. You would have to answer each chapter according to the beginning phrase of that chapter. So therefore, that's why they did Hudud Hashem, uh, repeated it to remind everybody how the original Tekana was. That when they got to Hudud, they weren't saying Hallelujah anymore. They were saying uh, Hudud, which is they repeated according to the beginning of each chapter. So look at that she. According to us that we read all Halel. Exactly. The only reason why they did this is to keep the original enactment remembered. Okay? Now, from Nashi's Lashon, it does mashma, It's not enough to say hallelujah. It's mashma that you're saying uh, both. Which means, it sounds like, you know, the beginning of the chapter, you also, let's say, saying, Beset Yisrael Mislaim, so you have to repeat, Beset Yisrael Mislaim, and then you go back to saying, Hallelujah. Because he says, it's not enough just to say, Hallelujah. So again, it's Mahajan from Minashi, for example, the first Pasuk, then you resume back, going to the Hallelujah. That's what it's Mahajan from Rashi. Okay, now we go to the next case. Itmar Nameh, respond with the pasuk at the beginning of the chapters. Okay, Navas time again. The Hazan would say Anashim Hoshiana, Ven Omrim Anashim Hoshiana. And they would repeat, Mikan, what do you see from here? Shimaya Katan Makreoto. So this reminded us of the Halakha, that if a Katan was the one that was reading the Halil, for let's say a gadol, on mashu omir. So he has to repeat what uh, the minor is saying. Which means, this Anashim Mushi'ana is not teaching us the law of Hallelujah. It's not teaching us the law of the beginning of a chapter, because the words that they have is not the beginning of a chapter. So what was the, the, what was the purpose why Ravah made that when they say Anashim Mushi'ana, you got to repeat Anashim Mushi'ana. What was it reminding us of? So it was reminding us that in certain cases, you'd actually have to repeat every single bazook. Which case is that? If the Qatar is reading it for the Gadol, you cannot just listen to what the Qatar is saying. You actually have to say it yourself. That's she. It's not the beginning of a chapter. This was to remind you in a case where Sometimes you actually have to repeat every single word that's coming out of the Makre. So that would remind you that. 
would that remind you of? Why we have to repeat the Anashim Asiyachana? Mikan kofel. That reminded us of the halakha that if uh, you want to come, if the custom was to double each pasuk up, you could double the pasukim. How did that remind you? So that she says, Vehen shumain. Right, they would listen to the first Anashim Astihana and then they would repeat it. Now, seemingly, the listeners only said it once. It wasn't doubled. So that she said, no, they did double it. The one that's listening as if he said it. So they listened once. So that was considered saying it once. And then they said it once, actually. So that was saying it twice. So the repetition of Anashim Astihana reminded everybody of the Mishnah's law that a place that had the custom to repeat these Pesukim, they would continue their custom. Now, which means that she's just telling us you could have learned the law from that is accustomed to repeat and from you could have learned the case of what? That if a katan is reading, you have to repeat every word. Which means, why did you learn from Anna the case of katan reading, you have to repeat every word. And from Anna Shemashiyana, you learned the case of Kefirah. You're right. You could have learned either one from either, either, either phrase. All the point of the uh, Gemara is to show you that there was a purpose behind all these things that they were doing in their day. There was a reason why they repeated Anashim Shihana to teach you something. There was a purpose why they repeated Anashim Shihana to teach you something. Right? So there was just a reminder. In the Khanam, you could have learned the same laws from the other Pesukim, but it was all the point that Abbas is telling you that everything was done for a reason. Okay, now we go further. Hu Omer Baruch Abba. Okay, the custom was the Hazan would say Baruch Abba. Ve'en Omrim B'Shem Hashem. What do you learn from that? Mikan Shomer Kaone. From here you learn the law of Shomer Kaone. That one that's listening as if he said it, because the guy who's listening doesn't stop from Baruch Abba. He just listens to the words Baruch Abba. He picks up B'Shem Hashem. How do they start in the middle of the pasu? It's considered as if he said the words Baruch Abba himself. So from there you're reminded of the law of Shomeya Ka'oneh. Look at that she. Hu Omer Baruch Abba Ve'onim B'Shem Hashem Ube Baruch Abba Subchim Alav On the words Baruch Abba they're relying on the Hazad Ve'onim Lo Atevot Atzmah Ve'lo Aleluya They wouldn't say anything. Mikan Nilmad L'She'enu Yodaya Lo Lekrot Ve'lo La'anot From here you learn a guy that let's say, he doesn't know how to read, and he doesn't even know how to answer. I mean, the guy's not only illiterate, he can't even repeat the words, he's just totally listening. In Shama, if he heard the person saying that, Lil, which is the law of Shomeya Ka'one is teaching you, that all he's got to do is listen, even if he doesn't answer anything. He doesn't even answer, Hallelujah, he doesn't answer nothing, he just listens. It's considered as if he said it. And she gives another case. There are people praying Besibur. A person, let's say, is in the middle of his Amidara, she says. He's in the middle of his Lahash, uh, right? And now, in the middle of the Lahash, she cannot interrupt it. But they start to say Kaddish. So what does she say to do? Yishteku b'tefilatam. Let him stop in the middle of his tefilah. V'yishme'u b'chabana. Let him stop wherever he is and let him listen with kabana to the Kaddish. Be'arein ke'onin. Right? It's as if he said it. U'shiyigmore kedusha ya'azul tefilatam. When they finish the kedusha, go back to the tefilah. V'chein yasad rabi Yehudai ga'on ba'lalakot gedolot. So she says a big hadush was actually the halakha. That in the middle of the Amidah, where you cannot actually answer the Kaddish, so what you do, you stop where you are and you listen. And you get credit as if you said it yourself. That's the law of Shomeya Kaoneh. For that matter, let's say a person heard a Beracha, and he didn't answer Amen. He just heard the Beracha, and he had come out to be Yotzeh. Shomeya Kaoneh, even if he didn't answer Amen, it's as if you said it yourself, and you get the credit. Comes the Gemara and continues. Ba'umi name Rabbi Hayyab Abba. 
They asked the question from the Hayah Bar Abba. Shamar Velo Ana Mahu. That is the case here. A person listened to, let's say, something that he was uh, obligated. Okay? Beracha, uh, let's say. And he didn't, uh, he didn't answer. Velo Ana. He didn't answer. So example, there was a Beracha, like the case I just told you, and the guy did not answer either Amen after the Beracha or Hallelujah. Mao, are you Yotze or not? Amar Lehu, so Rav Hayah said, Hakimaya, the rabbis, the wise men, the Safraya, literally the school teachers, the Reshe Amma, the leaders of the nation, the Darshaya, and those that give the Rashot, Amru, they all said, Shama Velo Ana, Yasa. Exactly that. If you heard it, even though you didn't say anything, we have a Amorite statement to concur to this, Amar Bishwam Pazi Amar. Rabbi Yosho ben Levi, Mishu bar Kapara, Minay in the Shomea Kaone. How do we know that somebody who just listens is as if he said it? Because we have a Pasuk in the Nevi'im. It says like this It called Devrea Sefer, Asher Kara Melech Yehuda. It's referring to a Sefer Torah that was read by Yoshia, the king of Yehuda. That was referring to a Sefer Torah that was found by the Kohen Gadol, Hilkiyah. And the Sefer was opened up to Parashat Kitavot, to the curses. And it was opened up to the Pasuk, that God says He's going to exile the Jewish people and its king. So when Yoshia read this, he ripped his clothes, because he understood that the Jewish people were going to go into Galut. He felt it was a sign that the Sefer was opened specifically to that Pasuk. So it says, when he read it. So the Gemara says, what do you mean? He didn't read it. V'chi Yoshiyahu Kira'an? Did Yoshiyahu read the Pesuk? Well, Shafan Kira'an. Shafan read the Pesukim to Yoshiyahu. Dikhtiv. V'yikna'ehu Shafan. Lifna Melech. Shafan read the Pesukim in front of the king. So why did he say that Yoshiyahu read it? Ela mikan, l'shomea ka'oneh. And for me, you see that from the fact that Yoshiyahu listened to it, it's as if he said it himself. So comes the Gemara and says, "Vedilma batar de karaanu shafan kara Yoshiyahu." Who says maybe after Shafan read it, maybe uh, Yoshiyahu repeated it. So maybe he did read it. Maybe Shafan read it first, and Yoshiyahu read it. Amar Abahabar Yaakov. Those like other that dechtiv, because the pasuk says, "Yaran rach lebabecha batikana mepinei Hashem b'shomacha." So it says. Uh, because your heart became soft and you humbled yourself in front of Hashem when you heard the words of the scroll. That Davka Yoshia became humble when he heard the words and not when he read the words. So what do you see over here? That indeed Yoshia did not read the words at all. He just heard it. But the Pasuk gives him the credit as if he read it. Or that says that he read it. So what do you see from over here? That there is a deen of Shomeya Kaone. Let's just read the sheet, finish it off. Hakimaya, Kemashwar, that's the Hakamim, Safrayam, and Abdit Tinagot, those are school teachers. Ashir Kiroa Melech, Besif Shemat Sarkia, Kohen, Mishtai, Kanab, Sir Melachim. And therefore, it says that Shafan read it, and still it's considered as if Yoshia did it, so therefore you know the law of Shomeya Kaone. Baruch Adwai Leonam. Amen, Amen.